in the church that God has directed for a purpose. It's not hard, but we have to understand it. And sometimes people don't like government. It is a sign of our time. Jesus said in the latter days, men will have a form of godliness, which means that they may assemble. They may worship God. They may listen to scriptures and stories about God. But they deny the power thereof. doesn't mean that they say that God can't do anything. It means the word deny the power thereof means that people refuse to allow God to rule them by scripture. And that is many Christians today. Many Christians today. Now, I know that some of you are watching, but, you know, there are so many things that are in our lives that are anti-Christ, anti-church, and we don't even realize it. Now, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But the anti-Christ spirit says this, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Now, see, that is an anti-assembly statement. When do you get to define what Christianity requires after God has already established it? Forsake not yourself, assembling of yourself, as a manner of some are. In other words, God knew there were going to be stubborn rednecks that would not obey the gospel. You come up with your own philosophy and your own theory, and you think you're spiritual. And you're not spiritual. I hate to say that. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm not trying to be mean. But, you know, I don't want to talk to you like Yale graduates when you're not. Look, the gospel is to all men. And it's simple enough that a child can understand. And I, all I ask you to do is this. Find me one scripture that says... I am exempt from assembly. Just find me one. And when you do, please come so I can share it with all the other people that come to me and tell me that. And then they can gather at your house. Oh, I forgot. They can't do that. They don't need to do that. They don't need fellowship one with another. They don't need iron sharpens iron. They don't need unity. They don't need the eye or the ear or the foot or the knee. I forgot. They're all inclusive in their self. You see how foolish that is? That is an anti-Christ, anti-spirit, anti-church statement. It's not found in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I see we're getting reports from the Lutheran church down there. They're shouting. They're live streaming. Hey, thanks, guys. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then it says this, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordained. Oh, now he's taking order to a new level. Now he's going to appoint men to keep order. There's nothing wrong with order. There's nothing wrong with organized devotion. And it says, ordained elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And if any be blameless, that husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, 
for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, and temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Why? Because there are many unruly and vain talkers, deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, who mouths must be stopped to subvert whole households, whole households teaching these things which they should not for filthy lucre's sake. What did Paul do? He said, you need to set people in order. Why? Because organized devotion demands acknowledgement of God government. It acknowledges and demands accountability and responsibility, thus requires judgment from others. Come on. See, the church is not a lawless assembly of people doing everything they want. We are governed by the scriptures of what is spirit and what is not. Could it get an amen? Hallelujah. Now, remember that the church is threefold. It is local, it is universal, meaning worldwide, and it is general assembly or invisible in heaven. So there are three parts. Two of them are actively spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ today, actively coming together to learn of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other has already received the crown of being faithful in that pursuit. And then we realize that the church, somebody say the church, needs to be protected. Needs to be protected. Go to Jude, the third, the third verse. Jude 3 through 8. Some people said, well, well I, I just thought that God would take care of the church. No, it can't take care of the church any more than the church at Crete could take care of their self without an organizer and an overseer. Yes, hallelujah. And then it says this. Here's Jude speaking. Beloved. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you. Somebody say needful. Needful. It's needful for me to write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto you, um, unto the saints. Now the reason that Jude writes this letter is that he knows that there is an assault coming upon the common faith or the salvation message. And he says, I'm warning you that it's going to come. I'm telling you that they're not going to give you rest. Realize that the church has always been under demonic assault. It's always been under the assault of the carnal man. It's always been under assault by the doubters and by the disbelievers. It has always been under assault by those that do not want Jesus Christ governing their lives. It has always been under assault of the world. 
and it's still under assault today in an intensified way and the church has got to stop being intimidated. It's almost a crime to share your faith. You can't wear a Jesus t-shirt, but you can wear a turban. I have no problem people wearing turbans, but I want to wear my t-shirt. Come on. And so you can be dismissed from school for wearing a Jesus t-shirt. You can be dismissed from work for wearing a Jesus t-shirt, but you're accepted if you wear a turban. Come on, somebody. Why? Because Christianity is becoming the most hated religion in the world, even in the nation that has seated the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we seem to be intimidated. Let's not be intimidated. We are not, we don't have anything to be intimidated of, and we are not afraid of anything, and we do not face anything that cannot be overcome. Because God is on our side and he is in us. And it says this, For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, <clears throat> turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Denying it. I write, therefore, to put you into remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believed not. In other words, this coincides with what Paul says in Acts 20, 23 on down through 26. It says, I've warned you for three years straight with tears every day. Please watch the sheep. Because when I leave, wolves shall rise up from even among yourselves. Well, I, I thought you were talking, I am talking about the church. But I'm also telling you that we as believers must protect that which God has given us. And we must protect the definition of the church. Because unbelievers and people that have appetites that rise up and draw disciples away to their self. Not to Christ, to their self. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it says, I put you into remembrance that you knew how that the Lord Jesus, having saved the people out of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept their first estate, kept not their first estate, but left their own habitations he hath reserved in everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even the Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh and set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers, who? Those that are unbelievers among the church. These filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion or government. They despise government. And it says, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel who contended for the, with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring in railing accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So we see here that when government is carried out, 
when order is set, it protects the church, but it's also we do it in the authority and the might of God himself. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the church must be protected. Somebody say it must be. All right, let's go to 3 John. 3 John, and let's look at verse 9 through 11. 3 John. Now, remember, this is John the Revelator, and uh, I don't know how anybody could question his devotion or challenge him hearing from the Lord. And he says this in verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but what is that? The Diaphus, there you go, who loved to have the preeminence among them received us not. Now, this is a man in a local congregation refusing, rejecting, withstanding John, the revelator's voice from God. And he says this, When, wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbidding them that would, forbidding members of the church to do what the apostle of the house has declared and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil. Somebody say, what he's doing is not good. You're, you're right. And it says, but all that which is good, he that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Now here is a man resisting John the Revelator and those that are agreeing with him, he's throwing them out. What's the rest of the church doing? Got it. Nothing. 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 Why? Because they're not protecting the boundaries of the foundation that you and I are built upon, which is the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Ephesians 3.20. Uh, so we have to understand, we have to protect the church. Now one more, if you go to Matthew, the 18th chapter, and then we're going to really get to where I want to go today. Yeah, we're going there. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Let me find the right chapter this time. And uh, let's look at verse 15. Now, Jesus has already established the foundation of the church, which is those that see that he is the only begotten Son of God and those that receive him as their personal Savior. The church is not made up of sinners and saints. It is made up of saints. It is not made up with people that are hypocritical. Not made up of people that attend and have not received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It is made up of those that have accepted Christ as a personal Savior, the acknowledgement that he is the only begotten Son of God, the acknowledgement of his total work of redemption at Calvary and his resurrection from the dead. That's who the church is made up of. Going to get an amen. All right. It's made up of the church. And then it says, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, 
Now we know that we're in the church because we're talking about one of the names of the church, the household of faith or the family of God. And it says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, cuss him, tell everybody else about it. Do I, No, yeah, that's right. We're the church, not the world. So, so we, we have a new type of government. And it says, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And, now watch this, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the does that mean you just stand up and say, hey, this guy did this? No. It means tell it to the government that rules the church. That rules the church. Because remember, you first tell it to him alone. Then you go two or three, and they hear the witness. And then the leadership of the church hears it. Why? What's happening? The church is being protected. It must be protected from wrongdoers. And it says, And if he neglect to hear thee, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a republican. I think that means Democrat. And, and a publican. Now, what are we supposed to do with people that will not adhere to government? Put them away as people that have no faith. Treat them like a heathen. Now, I've been in ministry 36 years today. 36 years today. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. For 36 years. Never unfaithful, never scandal, none of that stupid stuff. I decided to live by the Bible and be a Christian. Well, I've never had any of that stupid stuff. Have you had problems? Well, certainly. We have a family. Everybody's got Uncle Harry's and Sister Judy's in the closet just waiting to come out. Sure we do. Hallelujah. We found them about in Third John. We found them in Jude. Come on, we found them right here. They're all over the place. So when you go to a door, just don't open it too much. You never know who's in there. And so we see that the church must be protected. It has to be protected from those that will not adhere to government. And the church said what? Yeah, thank you. That's about the agreement that takes place in the church because here is the church's remedy to sin. Well, they only did it once. Okay. Well, you know, we have to love them. I understand that. Well, well, you know, they, I know they didn't line up, but can't you just make an exception? I don't know. How, how big uh, exceptions do you want to make? Hey, all you grass-smoking Christians, come to our church. We, we got a, a weed-smoking booth. Is that what you want? You're going to have to find another church. Pack it up and go. I, because I am not 
surrendering to a bunch of sin coming through a door because Christians want to live like the world. Not going to do it. There are certain things in the church that will not be tolerated and must be rebuked, chastened with long-suffering and to give them instruction to be reconciled under God's will. And that's what's most important. Amen? Now, we look at the church, and the church is and always has been under attack by the devil. And as we look at it, we have to realize that it is filled with people that have self-thoughts. But remember, God said, your thoughts are not my thoughts, so I give you mine. And if you're going to agree with God, you have to think like God thinks. It might be totally contrary to what you think love is. But love doesn't put up with sin. And love doesn't put up with disorder. That's why your children are half crazy. Love them. Amen. Love them and chastise them. Yes. Now, when the church comes under attack, it's going to come under attack from religion that is empty and faithless. Then it's going to come under attack with philosophical people, people that are self-thinkers. Now, they have no foundations of their thoughts. They just think stuff. Yeah. They're like three-year-old kids. I thought the toilet was a watering bowl. It's not. Amen. Then science. Then you have uh, the advance of intelligence. It has filled with hate. It's going to come under with unbelievers. It's going to come under anti-Christ attacks. It always has been and always will be. But at the same time, there is a church that is rising up out of these attacks. Now, there is much more subtleness in the attack of the Antichrist today. John warned us about it in John, the fourth chapter. I tell you now that there are many Antichrists in the world. How many of you believe that there are Antichrists in the world? Absolutely. I'm, we're going to share some of them. And it says, but there is, it's so much more subtle today because we are so busy and we offer so many opportunities for the Antichrist to come into our life. Now, the deception of all ages is upon us. You heard me. The deception of all ages is upon us. Right is wrong and wrong is right. Amen? It seemed like right and wrong are inseparable. There is no voice for right. There is no voice for wrong. But if there is a right or a wrong, all of them can be turned over by YouTube. Right can seem to be wrong by somebody making a YouTube or making a video or posting it on Facebook. Now, people don't know whether it's true or not, but they're very quick to repeat what is true or what is not. Then you have the judge 
out in California where he releases a man that has molested children ongoing for a few years. He releases him and gives him no sentence. But then a man doesn't clean up his yard or mistreats his animal, gets 10 years. Right is wrong and wrong is right. See, we will abort children, but we support dogs. I'm, not, I'm an animal lover, and I love dogs. I've, got, I've had dogs all my life except just for the last few years, and then I've had in-laws. So it's, we're, just, we're, we're just used to soiled carpet and, you know, and things like that. But, you know, every $19 that you send to support that dog, they've proven that only 10 cents of that money goes to the support and the rescue of those dogs. And even though it's known fact, people still keep giving. People say, I just, I just can't stand to see the dog out in the cold. Could you look in the dumpster and see an aborted baby? Leaving millions of dollars to cats. Multi-million dollars, Bob Barker to dogs. That's all great. I'm not against dogs living in luxury and being drove around in limousines and drinking from gold bowls. But you know there are people starving to death all over the world. But here's what mankind has done. Mankind has rejected an opportunity to be reconciled under God and they have chosen to be reconciled to creation and to the earth and have denied the creator thereof of both. There's a great mass movement. Let's care for the planet. You cannot stop what is going to happen to this planet. But what you can do is to prepare with it by being washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, do you believe in global warming? I believe that the earth is going to be cleansed by fire. You want to call that global warming? Call it global warming. We as a church must stop the deception that is being presented to us and that is being spoken to us and that is being declared about us. Remember that the church has got to protect itself from within and from without. What from? From error. We live in a generation it is not a generation gap. It is not a generation gap. Oh, we got a great generation gap. We don't have a generation gap. We have a godless gap. See, the generation that is coming up is the generation that the church never preached to before. And we have just what we've sown. We had a generation that could have been reached with the gospel we did not reach it. We entered into charismatic churches. We all got on the, the spirit realm. We all got on the emotional wagon, but we forgot to take the gospel to the world. And then what happened was they have now given birth to sons and daughters. And guess what? 
They don't take them to church. Guess what? They don't take them to Sunday school. Guess what? They don't preach to them. They don't teach them morals. They don't teach them right and wrong. They don't teach them how to work, how to have value for human life. What are they doing? They don't have any place to go back to. People say, raise them in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. When they're old, they'll not depart from it. These people have never been raised with a root of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have no place to return to. So what's going to happen? The church, you and I must rise up and take a gospel to a world that does not know that Jesus exists. There's not a generation gap. There is a godless gap. Well, they're just like us. They've never been like us. Most of us came from some type of religious background. We had some place to return to. This generation does not, so it has to be seeded that a root can begin to take place. Hallelujah. So self-revelation is one of the antichrists of our generation. And a self-revelation of Scripture, the Bible forbids it in 2 Peter I think it's 119 that says no prophecy or interpretation of any scripture is to be personal. In other words, it must coincide with the overall revelation of the church. Oh, but God gave me a personal revelation. No, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. Mm -mm. Didn't, give you, didn't give you anything special. He gave to you what he gives to everybody. So when we say, well, you know, God told me I didn't have to go to church. Oh, yeah, the God of this world told you that, but it wasn't the God of heaven. You've been deceived. You've been deceived. Do you, you've been deceived. The devil came like an angel of light, and you ate the pie. Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. You say, well, Pastor, you just want us to gather together. There was a reason. Not only because it's God's will, but there's a reason spiritually that we have to be joined together. Oh, oh let, hey, all of those of you that say you don't have to be a Christian, uh, attend church, be a Christian, when was the last time that the apostle came to your house and preached to you what God said? Oh, he didn't. Oh, okay. Hey, did you have a prophet stop by this? Uh, well, well, no. Oh, okay. Uh, did you have a pastor come in? Oh, you didn't. Okay. Did you have an evangelist? Oh, you didn't. Oh. Did the, uh, a teacher stop by? Well, guess what? You are never going to mature in Christ and be a part of edifying the church one from another. You can't be a Christian and be at home because you're just lonely. You're so lonely. You've been left to yourself. The worst place that any man can be is without someone to walk with him. How can one walk by himself? If he falls, he'll stay fallen. You get cold, you stay cold. You feel that little shiver, shiver there? Yeah, yeah. 
I'm pointing at the camera, but I know there are some of you here today that have had the same thoughts. You're just here because somebody invited you here. Or you need to be in a church. Oh, well, I just don't think. There's that personal revelation that comes from the devil. It is anti-Christ. I asked God to help me be nice today. I, I, I'm a, I think God's doing it. Now, Newsweek said this. Now, this is Newsweek. Points out that the youth of America are openly passionate about their spirituality, but insist on defining their own church on their own grounds. Sound like Christians. Yeah. You don't have the right to redefine God's word. We as Christians say, I believe in the Lord and I believe in God's word. I believe the Bible from leather to leather. Until it cross-grains something you don't want to do. Folks, it's time for us to get back to absolutes. It's time for us to become the church that is governed by God. Amen. Now, so people view spirituality as a joining of themselves with nature instead of the creator thereof. You know, we have tree huggers. We got more trees today on planet Earth than we've ever had. Amen. You say, oh, no, we don't. Yes, we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are more square acres of wooded land than there has ever been in the history of this world because of good conservation and so forth. Now, instead of realizing that we have been placed to have dominion over the earth, and not to worship it. Yeah. Then there are people that are greatly spiritually driven or hunger, but they hate order or systematic religion. They hate systematic worship. They hate systematic teaching. They hate systematic governing. Now, you know what systematic things do? They order us. They order us. Sometimes people say, oh, I wish our services were more spiritual. Okay, how much more spiritual can you get that if you dance, praise, shout, lift up holy hands, and, and worship together, how much more spiritual do you want to get? You want us to bring in fog lamps? Will that, did that make you happy? Yeah. Yeah, that's emotionalism. Mm -hmm. The only thing smokes in our house are the rear ends of our grandkids if they don't line up. And Phyllis's cooking. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Now, this is the work of the Antichrist. It is anti-church, anti-organization, anti-responsibility, and anti accountability this is a generation that we are facing right now and the generation that we're facing right now will never be brought into a church 
that is disassociated, disorientated, and without government and order. They need it, and so does the church. This generation sees the church, as most of the world does, as a negative religion. You know why they think it's negative? Because we tell them what sin is. So they think that because we tell them what sin is, oh, well, that's negative. Okay, all right. Uh, you should stop molesting children. Oh, that's negative. You ought to stop sleeping with women outside of your marriage. Oh, that's negative. Don't you think that's up to people, personal choices? It is if you're not in the kingdom. But if you're in the church, absolutely not. It is not up to your personal choice. Hallelujah. It seemed like the church condemns people because they warn them. It seems like there is neither ethics or morals that are based upon the government of God, but upon personal choices. The church cannot live like that, and the church must not be defined by that. Could again, amen. And so we, as Christians, must realize that the world that we're living in and the generation that is coming is a byproduct of the lack of the patriarchs and the forefathers of our faith. All of them. To the old woman that sat on the pew that did not share Jesus. Clear back to the back on the television station where the man did not preach the truth. Now, that generation has been delivered to you and I. It is not an impossible generation, but it is a generation that you and I as the church, defined by God, are going to have to take interest in. We as Christians must return to the place that the Word governs our life and that the people see Christ in us, and that we are the representatives of God's will for every man. The church has two purposes. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's not my job. It is my job, but not just my job. It's everybody's job. Well, I can't go to the world. You can go to 7-Eleven. You go right down the street and go to your neighbor. Wherever your world is, you can go to. And it's our responsibility to preach the gospel. Even though they may perceive you as negative, you be positive. Jesus died for your sins. There's hope for you. And then the second thing that the church is called to is to demonstrate. These signs will follow those that believe. We must stop being intimidated by sickness, disease, and by devils. We must stop it. And so we as Christians must rise up and proclaim. Secondly, we must rise up and demonstrate. That's our call. And as we do, God will add to the church, yes, the local assemblies, the church as he wills. We know it's God's will that no man perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
So I'm preaching about the church, and I'm, I'm probably preaching about it in a different way than you've ever heard it. That's okay. It's time for us as the church to wake up. Let's tighten our boundaries. Let's put God first. Let's start really saying we believe. We believe. Let's start laying out that when they see me, they're going to see Christ. God just asks us to preach and to demonstrate. Just live like he is Lord of our life. That's all he's asking. There's nothing better than you than what you can do for him in life to be satisfied and fulfilled. There's nothing. Every head bowed just for a moment. I'm going to speak to about three classes of people today. The first class is this. Some of you that have not been in church consistently. Look, if you have jobs, I understand that you have to work. I, I understand that totally. And I'm not speaking to you. If, if you, you know, have to travel to get your children back to your uh, spouse that you're divorced from, I, look, I understand that. I'm, I'm not here to tell you that's wrong. It, it's not wrong. But what is wrong is that people willfully, willfully disconnect from the assembling of themselves together. And some of us here today are as guilty clear up to our elbows in unfaithfulness to God that's going to have to stop because it's disobedience and it's sin and it is a rejection of Jesus' lordship over your life secondly if you're here today and you're a sinner that means you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal savior You've never given your life to Him. You've never surrendered it to Him. You're separated from Jesus. Now, you might have a great desire to be spiritual, and you might do all types of things from burning incense to tarot cards and and Ouija boards. You, You might do all types of things, but the only way to be reconciled to God is through his son Jesus Christ who died on the cross and shed his blood that you and I could be free if you're a sinner here today I'm going to give you a chance to please come in just a moment and then if you're here today and you're a backslider by now you have discovered that what sin promised you it cannot pay you and you today are here just as empty as you can be thinking you are going to be satisfied there's nothing that satisfies like walking with Jesus like walking with Jesus if you're here today and you're a sinner if you're here today and you're a backslider I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me right now. Hallelujah. I'm 
want to ask you if you're here today and you're a sinner if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior if you're a backslider Ashley can you sing a song a couple choruses Daniel sing a couple choruses and then and it was Daniel singing in a song I want you to get out of your seat and come down here and I want to pray a prayer with you not for you with you you giving your life to Jesus Christ receiving him as your personal Savior Daniel oh come to the altar the Father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ will come to the altar is the Father's arms are Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son. I believe He died on Calvary for my sins. I receive redemption and forgiveness of my sins through His shed blood. I believe He raised from the dead and He's alive now. Come into my heart, Jesus. I receive you right now as Lord and Savior. As you died for me, I will now live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Father, I pronounce blessing upon him. God, the leading of the power of the Holy Ghost into his life. God, direct him and give him a hunger and a thirst for the Scriptures. God, let him bind himself together with friends. God, let us worship together. God, help us as a church to minister and to care and to love him with the love of the Lord. God, we thank you for him being engrafted into this family of faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jim. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, it's Mother's Day, and no, I'm not doing any work for Phyllis. I'm taking her to lunch tomorrow. She had a choice, me work or go to lunch. Dinner, dinner. So, 
My work starts tomorrow, so today I'm free. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to bless these people. God bless every mother. Many have prayed and cried and given birth to our salvations. God, many of them, like Deborah, just had to rise up because there wasn't anyone else to do so. God, we cherish those that you have placed in our life. And God, we just ask you to bless them today. Let it be a day of celebration and honor to them. And Father, we thank you for every family, every person, every individual that is here today. We ask your blessing be upon them and to keep them, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How you